There was a time when Lee Chatfield was the guy in Michigan's Republican Party. Thank you, colleagues, for entrusting me with this responsibility. By God's grace and with good counsel, I will perform this position to the very best of my ability. Youngest House Speaker in more than 100 years, influential in the chamber, but also through his network of campaign donors, a nonprofit foundation, and a consulting business, this was someone who had all the angles. Within a year and a half of leaving the legislature, Chatfield's future is looking deeply unsteady. Earlier this year, Lee Chatfield was accused of sexually abusing a 15-year-old girl in the late 2000s when he was involved with the church where his father was lead pastor. And that investigation has opened a trap door into Chatfield's financial world that is looking more and more like its own investigation. The amount of money through his nonprofit social welfare organization, the Peninsula Fund, that went to travel and entertainment, he spent more than $400,000 on those two things in 2020 alone. That is unheard of. Today, we're going to tell you what we know about the complex web of money and power surrounding Lee Chatfield, and we'll update you on where the standing and evolving investigations are in this moment. This is Stateside. I'm April Baer. Craig Mauger and Beth LeBlanc have been reporting this story for the Detroit News. And on Monday, they published an article suggesting that prosecutors are closer to building a framework for a case. Craig Mauger joined us to explain. So, Craig, this story is based on court documents that you and your colleague Beth LeBlanc were able to get hold of. Can, can you start by explaining to us what those documents are? Yeah, so these documents are records that are filed by investigators with local judges to try to establish probable cause in order to obtain search warrants. So it's not charging documents. It's just sort of a procedural thing that 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 investigators do when they're trying to figure out if they have a case. Yes. So in one of these documents, investigators were essentially telling the judge, here's all the reasons all the reasons that we have probable cause to believe crimes were possibly committed here. And this is why you should grant us permission to go and get emails from Google that Lee Chatfield may or may not have sent from all of these various accounts he had. In another situation, they were trying to get credit card records from J.P. Morgan Chase, essentially saying we have probable cause that a crime was committed and that these credit card documents might help us further our probe into Lee Chatfield. Right. Now, we know, thanks to your prior reporting, that Lee Chatfield had a younger brother named Aaron who did work for him as a driver, sometimes an office uh, office manager type position in one of his offices, and that Aaron Chatfield had told investigators he believed he was taking checks from one Chatfield operation concerned with fundraising. And maybe that money had been used in ways that donors might not know about. Can you explain how the court documents filled out your picture of this? Yeah, I mean, they, they filled out the picture of what was happening here uh, much more. I mean, there, there's a ton of information in here about what Aaron Chatfield has told investigators working for Attorney General Dana Nessel's office. And essentially, Aaron Chatfield told them that there were times when he did no work but was paid through funds tied to Lee Chatfield. On top of that, Aaron Chatfield was hired while he while Lee was speaker to be a driver for Lee Chatfield. And this was through a Republican consulting firm that works in Michigan. Essentially, Aaron told investigators, 
that Leach Hatfield paid a bonus to this firm, Grand River Strategies, and 50% of that bonus was flowed to Aaron Chatfield to be Lee Chatfield's driver. Right. Uh, Can you explain for us, for those who haven't been following this story on the regular, who is Anne Menard? And can you explain what her role was in all this? Anne Menard is one of Lee Chatfield's closest political associates, at least was one of his closest political associates. She was a, a political consultant for all of his various fundraising accounts, and she worked in his speaker's office as a director of affairs, uh, different event scheduling that they did through the House. She has been close to Lee Chatfield for his entire legislative career, and investigators have we know searched her home in 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 the Lansing area and also interviewed her according to the documents we've we've obtained now again there is a lot here and i do mean a lot but uh, part of part of the information that was included in your story was a, a bit more vivid picture of lee chatfield's travels now folks may remember that he he did a fair amount of traveling when he was when he was michigan house speaker but what was what was filled what do we know about his trips or are there certain details that were confirmed by these documents that you didn't know before yeah, there were more details here. I mean, Lee Chatfield traveled possibly more than any other legislator that we know of that we've investigated previously. He was known in Lansing for frequently being out of state on weekends. We've done reporting previously about allegations of him changing the House's schedule because he had a flight to catch. That was something his caucus mates have talked about. And here in these documents, there is a better picture of how these flights were funded. In one of the statements by Aaron Chatfield, he says that Anne Menard gave him a check ahead of a trip to the Bahamas that Lee took. And Aaron Chatfield told investigators that he was informed that he needed to cash the check, give $3,500 to Lee Chatfield for the trip, and that he, Aaron, could keep $1,500 for the trip. This is very interesting because you know, if an outside group like a lobbying entity or someone that has a policy interest in something before the state legislature directly funds a trip for a lawmaker, that has to show up in a lobbying disclosure. However, if the money is flowed through a nonprofit organization like Lee Chatfield had, and then the money was given to Lee to go pay for the trip, that would potentially hide the source of the money and the source of the trip. And and we have reported previously that a very small number of trips that Lee Chatfield went on actually showed up in lobbying disclosures. We need to take a break. More with the Detroit News' Craig Mauger in just a minute. Support for Michigan Public's stateside podcast comes from Lake Trust Credit Union, working to empower financial well-being for Michigan consumers, businesses, and communities. Committed to financial solutions and advice to support people and families. More information at laketrust.org. Support for the Stateside Podcast comes from Kalamazoo College, offering a personalized education that combines critical thinking, curiosity, and creativity. Committed to preparing students for meaningful careers that make a positive impact on the world. More at kzoo.edu.
What have you learned about claims that Lee Chatfield was abusing prescription drugs during the time frame in question? This is something we had never had any information on. I mean, there were rumors around Lansing. These documents paint a very vivid picture about what was going on with the prescription drug Adderall. Aaron Chatfield and Ann Menard, both very close associates of Lee Chatfield, both told investigators that they believed that Lee was abusing this drug Adderall. And Aaron Chatfield told told these agents for the attorney general's office that he was involved with regularly obtaining Adderall from someone that he described only as Mark taking these pills to Lee Chatfield or a prominent Lansing lobbyist named Gary Owen. He says that this happened 20 to 30 times where he obtained Adderall for these two individuals. Uh, Anne Menard told investigators that she heard Lee Chatfield joke one time that he needed a, quote, Addy. So this is just, I mean, this is information that has not been out there before. They're all these different potential implications of this because Adderall is a controlled substance. Craig, is this the same Gary Owen who was also formerly Speaker of the Michigan House? No, that's no, that's a difference. This is a younger Gary Owen. Uh, he is a lobbyist with the firm Governmental Consultant Services. So many Gary Owens, some of them actually related. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. Craig, the picture that all this paints, Lee Chatfield traveling a lot and uh, possibly spending campaign donations on parties and booze and these trips and maybe also on drugs and other things that donors might not might not be aware of. Sadly, these excesses are not entirely unheard of in, in political circles. But I mean, I think some people just looked at this and said, how did no one blow the whistle earlier while Chatfield was in office? With your knowledge of Lansing and and travel and how people spend their time in in the halls of government and the legislature, if all this happened, how could it have gone unremarked? Yeah, I, one thing that differentiates Lee Chatfield from other high-ranking lawmakers in Lansing is he established a very tight-knit circle of people around him that was different than how anyone else has operated. I mean, keep in mind, the people that are blowing the whistle in these documents on Lee Chatfield are family members, his brother, his sister-in-law, Rebecca Chatfield, and Ann Menard, who was this consultant who had basically been tied to Lee Chatfield for his entire career. Ann Menard, Annie Menard, excuse me, and Rob Menard came up with Lee Chatfield as he rose through the ranks to become speaker. All of these people are extremely close together, and all of them could have kept these things secret had not Rebecca Chatfield come forward earlier this year in, in January with these allegations that Lee Chatfield had sexually abused her. Right. That is the person that I alluded to, Rebecca Chatfield, who did in later years become Lee Chatfield's sister-in-law, marrying his brother Aaron. I mean, this one's complicated, to say the least. Um, Craig, is, is, is there anything inherently unusual about a House speaker having a campaign arm uh, a lobbying consulting arm and his legislative office budget and and all, you know, and money moving around among all three, you know, all three entities at once. No, I mean, I'd say sadly, there is nothing unusual about the setup that Lee Chatfield was running uh, to raise money and to spend money to advance his political goals. What is unusual, and this is just a fact, 
is the amount of money that he was able to channel through these nonprofits and and really how he was using the money. I mean, the amount of money through his nonprofit social welfare organization, the Peninsula Fund, that went to travel and entertainment. We don't know exactly what type of travel or what type of entertainment, but we can see in the broad category of travel and entertainment that he spent more than $400,000 on those two things in 2020 alone. That is unheard of. And for many people, that would throw up a red flag in its own. How can you spend $400,000 travel and entertainment in a single year? And keep in mind, this was 2020. This was when the COVID pandemic was at its worst. When there were restrictions on travel, there were restrictions on restaurants. I mean, it's just a truly striking number to be disclosed in a tax document. Craig, are there any rules in Michigan's legislature or just, uh, I guess, codes that that lawmakers have adhered to that that says that they have to keep receipts when they travel? It sounds like such a goofy, simple question, but I don't know for sure if that is the case. That's a lot what the investigators appear to have been looking for when they filed for these search warrants. It paints a picture that they are trying to obtain bank records to see what Lee Chatfield and his associates were actually spending this money on. They want to match up, it, it looks like, the bank records with the disclosures that have been filed and also to figure out through the obtaining these credit card records, was he spending this money on personal benefits. You can't use a political account that's supposed to be involved in advancing campaigns or a nonprofit that's supposed to be focused on promoting the social welfare to promote yourself and to promote your own needs. And the bank records, if investigators were able to obtain them, will probably tell them a lot about where this money actually ended up. Right. And again, there's a lot we don't know. And this is just steps that may or may not lead to a formal case against Lee Chatfield. That said, I mean, there's a lot here. I uh, We did talk uh, a little bit earlier the fact that the reason we know all this is because Lee Chatfield was accused of having this sexually abusive relationship with Rebecca, 15 by her reckoning at the time, who later married Lee Chatfield's brother, Aaron. That same brother who's been key to prosecutors' understanding of Lee Chatfield's world. Craig, what's the status of that sex abuse case right now? The sex abuse case was investigated by the Michigan State Police and the Attorney General's office. What we know is that the Michigan State Police have turned over their portion of the investigation to the Attorney General's office. The Attorney General's office investigation into the sexual side of this appears to be ongoing. And we know from documents that we've obtained previously that they've talked to all of the players that are in the family that have been out there previously. We don't know if they've talked to other people that have not been identified yet, but the attorney general's office has an open and ongoing investigation into the sexual claims. The sexual claims are all completely in addition to all of the financial allegations that, that have come to light through, through the reporting that we released yesterday. What a time to be alive as a state prosecutor. Craig Mauger from the Detroit News, thank you so much for talking to us about this. Hey, thanks for having me. And that's the Stateside Podcast for today. I'm April Baer. You can find full Stateside episodes at michiganradio.org. Today's podcast was produced by Rachel Ishikawa. Other producers on our show are Mike Blank, Ronia Kavansag, Mercedes Mejia, and April Van Buren. 
Our executive producer is Laura Weber Davis. Music for today's pod came from Blue Dot Sessions. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye.